0: Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com/4keys. Use the number 4, K E Y S. That's unmistakablecreative.com/4keys and download your free copy.
1: When I was 20 in college, his name was Baxter and we're still friends. That was the recognition of, wow, this relationship has an infinity to it. And that was the first time I felt that. We were in college We were hanging out. I think I caught his eyes and he caught mine. He was smoking a cigarette, was at an art party, and we started talking. I don't even remember if we were talking very much. It was pretty non-verbal. It was pretty much an instant recognition of, like, you're mine and I'm yours. And now we're clicking in. We're clicking into something that's bigger than us, and it was really creative from the start, full of creative energy. In fact, when I read Just Kids and I read about Patti Smith and Robert Mablethorpe, I thought, oh, that was, that was me and Baxter. That was us making drawings together, making music together, having a sense of this other person that constantly surprised you and where your imagination was constantly being mobilized and where you were Kind of this entity, this third, that was not you and not him, but this thing that you made together, that was your energy together, that was your relationship, that was the love, and it was really scary and really frightening.
0: What is
2: it that makes people fall in love? It's one of the greatest mysteries of being human. People who have arranged marriages stay together for eternity, people who are madly in love get divorced. And there's a part of me that can't help but wonder if it's the mystery that I've been trying to solve for myself with over a thousand interviews. There's almost no other part of being human that comes with the possibility of so much joy. And on the flip side, potential for so much pain. If you've ever had your heart broken, you know how it feels. It's like the grief is never going to end. You wonder if you'll ever feel the way you did, if you'll ever be able to open your heart again. But maybe it's what Susan Piver calls the wisdom of a broken heart that teaches us what real love does.
3: There's nothing more frightening than love. There's nothing more vulnerable. It's the most vulnerable state. You have given your heart to someone, they see you, you see them. I don't know how many layers of clothing you put on, you're always naked. And it's extremely vulnerable. So you want to lock this thing down and make it safe. And of course, There's no way to do that.
0: Any times that you have broken relationships, whether it's with someone of the opposite sex that you're in love with, or even somebody that you have a deep friendship with that's gone south, I mean, they pop to mind and there's that sting that's still there. And and I, I don't know how to fix that. Other than this idea of a new creation, that we're just this idea that we're this next version of us. And I want to be the next humblest version of Bob. And that can involve saying I'm sorry to some people that I've let down or hurt along the way. Or, and not demanding and I'm sorry from somebody else who's either let me or you down or broken our hearts. But just realize that they're wounded just like we are. But that's probably where that compassion goes.
4: My parents were so in love and still are so in love. Um, They're actually like a love story. They're such a beautiful romantic comedy. They were high school sweethearts. And to this day, they still make out in the middle of the street with like everybody watching. And it's so sweet. I just, I'm madly obsessed with their love. A couple of months ago, I walked
2: into the Boulder bookstore here in Colorado and stumbled on Mendy Lancatron's memoir, How to Fall in Love with Anyone, by asking him 36 questions. You might remember her article in the New York Times. And I couldn't help but wonder if these questions really could make you fall in love with anyone. So I suggested it as a date idea to someone I was meeting for the first time. Three venues, 12 questions at each one. I pick the first venue, she chooses the second, and we pick the third together. Our first date was amazing, and then this amazing girl, who would be moving back to my city in a month, got stuck in another state due to the pandemic. In an age of Zoom dates, phone calls, and video chats, maybe these questions could be the key to falling in love. And they aren't the kind of questions that are easy to ask and require the courage to tell somebody you've just met things you may not want them to know about you. They cause you to open up and be vulnerable. You might have to put your heart on the line and open it up knowing that someone might break it. In thinking about these questions, I can't help but think of the quote from the author Simon Sinek, who said, my favorite definition of love is giving someone the power to destroy you and trusting they won't use it. I didn't record the conversation for my date because that just would have been weird. But my roommate and his now girlfriend, Laura, volunteered to ask each other the questions and find out if this might just lead to a deeper connection and love in the age of the coronavirus.
3: I was adopted at birth. So my adoptive family just like surrounded me from the very beginning. And I have always felt like 200% a part of the family. Growing up, my mom stayed at home with me and my sister. She's a teacher, but she took that time to raise my sister and I when my dad did most of the working, which is amazing. He was such an amazing provider to us always, and he set a great example for how to be responsible from a young age. My childhood was very full of such wonderful memories of my mom always taking us to the beach, to the park, to the pool. Almost every weekend during the summer we would go to swim in the pool. There was a diving board. Oh, it was great. Back when those were legal. <laughs> of course I hurt myself on it a few times, but I mean oh, didn't no. every hand hurt themselves. I mean not not badly. I don't I don't think I've ever really hurt myself like badly, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> I just remember so vividly how the weather would almost like clockwork roll in at 3 o'clock and we would take shelter and if it didn't look like it was going to clear up, we would leave. But sometimes we would just sit and stay and just watch the rainfall and if it wasn't thundering and lightning for 15 minutes, they'd let us get back in the pool. And I loved swimming while it was raining. Hmm. I loved it so much. I was just like such a sense of peace and control for me. It really makes a lot of sense why I'm still so into breath work and that's kind of like the foundation for it, I think. Same with swimming at the beach. I've always been a really strong swimmer and it's kind of like a pride point for being able to swim in the Atlantic. It's pretty, on the Atlantic side and not like the Gulf side of Florida, pretty rough. And so I'd, yeah. I loved, I just love to be battered by the waves.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, wow. Kind of my, my first experience of walking the line between pleasure and pain.
4: So I grew up and I went to Mother of Good Counsel for summer camp or summer, whatever you'd call that. Every year we would do like, so we'd go swimming and yeah, and we would play and we'd get snacks and all that stuff. I remember growing up <laughs> going and doing that whole thing. My parents worked. It was kind of funny. I used to play a lot of basketball. I remember I played basketball on my hoop outside and I just thought it was so awesome because I could dunk. <laughs> I remember going to milwaukee bucks basketball games with my dad and that was so much fun we'd go to monster trucks when i was younger and like you know it was just so fun just loved all that man you know it's interesting i feel like my dad was my best friend growing up in a lot of ways as i got i've gotten older my mom and i have talked about it and i guess when i was younger he wasn't very present the first couple of years i guess he was really emotionally distant i didn't i mean i you know don't have any mental recall of that but but yeah my mom has always sort of been the like provider in a lot of ways in the in the in the acts of service department she always did all the home improvements and she cooked a lot of the meals i never feeling like my mom like handling things but she was also very disciplinarian so whereas my dad being in human resources was just the mr nice and he kind of mediated everything and he's totally mr rogers it's so great
1: relationship with the parent is a primary relationship and could be mother or father or both or primary caregiver, you know, for some people. But like if you think of the brain as soft wax in a way, and then there's an imprint, right? There's an imprint made there by the early relationships. And so the child doesn't know that this isn't how the whole planet operates. For the child, mother is my planet, mom, mommy, mama. I'm saying the mom for ease, but it could be the father or the nanny or whomever, but the grandma, that person is the planet. So whatever laws of gravity and relationship apply feel like this is the way the world works. You know, and so those patterns take some undoing and redoing when they're not healthy in the long term. So, you know, in the practice, for example, say I'm starting with a session with a new patient, and let's say they're late and they come into the room and I'm sitting there waiting and I'm not feeling particularly anything about them being late. I'm just taking it in, and they have this look on their face. They're already cringing, they're expecting me to reprimand them say but they're not even saying a word to me they're just showing me right and then they might apologize five times or something that already I'm getting a a lot of a sense of how it went down in a primary relationship for them right that there was someone that was highly critical there was someone that they sort of had to do the lion's share of apologizing and apologizing was somehow the way back into some kind of relationship Etc.
4: If you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be?
3: I'm just trying to like think about how to word it because I love my parents and I have the utmost respect for them, but there are things that could have been changed that would have made things a lot more easy for me. I wouldn't have had to grow up so fast. I think the number one thing would just be their ability to hold space for my gigantic emotions. Because I had to largely learn how to regulate those myself after my sister was born. I was like three and a half when she was born, so that's when you really start to learn how to self-soothe and and regulate like more consciously
1: yeah how old
3: were you three and a half
4: oh my gosh yeah that's so young i feel like if there's i i know that there's science on it i don't remember exactly the number but i think there's 10 or something 10 or 12 is when we really like can be weaned off emotionally from our parents to the degree that we can really self-regulate or like learn that yeah. So, I mean, that's so young.
3: I guess the building blocks start there.
4: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, for sure. Wow.
3: And I feel like a lot of what I felt was downplayed to a big extent. I really don't feel like they were doing it maliciously at all. It's just like they're adults with, with their own lives and their own struggles. And, yeah. And, you know, if, if they could have held space... And allowed me to process emotions in, in a more open way with them that was validating. I think that that would have, that would have changed so much. Mm. Definitely would have made me a little bit more secure like attachment-wise. If you were able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or the body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years of your life, which would you want?
4: So I would actually say body and not for the reason that I think I feel like a lot of people might say because, you know, it's like, oh, it's a six pack or whatever. I don't want that at all. I'm so body oriented, like being in my body and feeling pleasure in my body rather than pain. And I remember when I was 10 years old, this is memories just popping up. I remember being at the YMCA and being in the men's locker. And there was this 40 year old man, just this naked 40 year old man just got out of the shower and he had one of those trash picker upper things or those little, do you know what I'm talking about? Those those like little a pincher, pincher things that extend. like this yes. is like a 40 year old man. And he had to get a pincher thing to pick up his towel. And I was like, Oh, my gosh! I am never that that will never ever be my experience. I am going to be so in my body, so connected to myself for the rest of my life that I will never allow for this and, and I just yeah, it, that was so profoundly impactful and I don't know something about him being naked too was just this idea of the m- mortality of of being human. there was nothing hidden. It was just like this is him. fragility, yeah, thank you. that's a better yeah. word.
3: Absolutely,
4: it was just like, wow, there's just this really overweight man who can barely bend over and just like, look, just really unhealthy. And so I was like, I don't, I don't want that. As much as I obviously want my mind, I feel like you can obviously, and that's probably why this is such a good question, because you can obviously answer either. I have some friends from Wisconsin, and I think about like, just how simple some of my friends lives are and not that they're stupid by any means I think they're incredibly intelligent people but just that life is really simple and they just really love that and I think that's really beautiful and so if my mind wasn't there but I was able to do the basic things of life for me if I had to pick one I think I would say my body Mm -hmm. if a crystal ball could tell you the truth about yourself your life the future or anything else what would you want to know
3: this is a weird one
4: it's totally weird (laughs) it's
3: really weird okay (laughs) so i've been watching that uh, netflix documentary about uh babies (laughs) have you have you seen the commercials for that one well not commercial the trailer what's it called it's called babies just like it's just called babies
4: just babies
3: yeah, it's about, like, the neuroscience of babies and, like, everything, like, cool. development and, like, just, like, an exploration of, like, all this new stuff that they're finding. And I feel like it would That's just so give good. me, like, a lot more patience because my biological clock is ticking very loudly in my ear.
2: Wow.
4: most treasured memory. After Amanda and I broke up. I came home and my dad took me to a box game and I don't know why that's so but just going to a basketball game because that's like what we always used to do when I was a kid and yeah (laughs) man yeah yeah like as a kid it's just like that was like the one thing where I felt like my dad was invincible he could just take me to these basketball games and it was just like wow my dad created all this (laughs) like all these people and all these professional athletes playing basketball it's like my dad created all this for me (laughs) getting to go to a basketball game with my dad was probably the sweetest thing because it reminded me of being a kid and then he came out to Colorado (laughs) and he got me Denver Nuggets tickets and we went to a <laughs> basketball game here with my uncle and my aunt. It's so sweet because he just really knows what the soothing balm is for me.
3: I'm going to explode with the sweetness right now.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's just...
3: so beautiful.
4: Yeah, thanks. Laura, what roles do love and affection play in your life?
3: It's actually like the centerpiece of my life. <laughs> like that is, that's the place from which all of my power comes from. And it's just this wellspring of goodness. <laughs> love and affection. Yeah. Whether it be with my family members or my friends or you know lovers it's it's just the very center of my focus is just loving people
4: <laughs> oh. That's so know. true about oh. you from what i from what i can already glean
3: oh and i i can already tell that you don't feel very differently
4: great so let's alternate sharing Literally. something <laughs> Um, that you consider a positive characteristic of your partner and share a total of five items
3: whoa <laughs> I'm really excited about this <laughs> that's amazing okay okay okay,
4: okay. Do, wait, do you want to
3: go first
4: you can go first I like how excited you are
3: <laughs> so this is the first thing that I think I ever told you well One of the first big things that I ever told you was I can see the light like shining through your eyes from behind your eyes. (laughs) And do you remember how I remarked, I wonder how that would feel like when our eyes first meet? That's just something I just really love about you is that your your soul just shines through like a couple of headlights. (laughs) Fog lights. <laughs> it's so bright and beautiful and it's so sincere and recognizable to anybody so yeah definitely Thanks, Laura. Definitely the first one okay i'm gonna keep a tally on this one actually here we go so laura
4: ah, i love how organized <laughs> you are <laughs> one of my favorite qualities about you laura is that you are such a deep feeler like just and it's like it's it's because i think growing up i didn't i was so unpresent and you are so present and you experience each moment so deeply and so impactfully and it just holds you and you hold it and it's like you're married to the moment and and I just love that about you. Like, I, because I feel like I'm so much more present when I'm with you. I feel really present right now <laughs> because of your presence. It pulls me into stillness in a way that I've never experienced before meeting you. You're,
3: you're going to have to give me a second think about the next one because that just, that just blew me out of the water. <laughs> I think the next thing that I'll mention is that I endlessly appreciate how plugged in you are and how, how deeply spiritual you are. I always told myself, not always, but you know, after the end of my last relationship, I said, I'm going to be with a man who can match my level of spirituality and who is as interested in that as I am. And somebody who wants to grow spiritually, somebody who already understands himself as a spiritual being and wants to continue to grow like that. And I can already tell like that is your life's journey. That's your focus. Like not like just not just the love, but like <laughs> spiritual growth. And I can tell that you're in so many different ways than I am. I, I don't know, I just feel like we have so much to learn from each other when it comes to that, and that is endlessly exciting and magnetic to
2: me
4: <laughs> well, I just think you're stunning. I think you're so you're so beautiful <laughs> i that's just what just came to my mind just now i just I just love all the I don't know it is just the your hair, the way. Your eyebrows are shaped. I love your nose ring. I love your beautiful, gorgeous eyes. I just think you're absolutely stunning, Laura. Thank you. (laughs) And I just love how you care so deeply about your work and about the people that you surround yourself with. That's something that I want to continue to embody. Like I said earlier, even about friendship is like, I just feel like you embody deep, deep loyalty to the people in your life including your clients and I just like that's so beautiful to me because that's how I look at it too all my clients it's a relationship yeah they pay me money they pay me good money but it's like they pay me that money because I love them into healing and I feel like you do that exact same thing and I cherish that so much and honor that so much in you I think that's so beautiful
3: okay So the next one for me is that you don't just like feel me. You feel me. (laughs) And it's so, it's so powerful. No one's ever connected with me on a level like that before. (laughs) And it's so conscious. You know, you're doing it because you want to know me and you want to feel me at that depth and mm-hmm. I know that we haven't even scratched the surface yet which is the craziest part about it so <laughs> you also feel so deeply and I feel like it could just go deeper and deeper and deeper and there's no end to it so I wow. I just really <sighs> have this sense of power from that <laughs> I don't know how to de- else to describe it it's just so intense (laughs) in the best way possible
4: I feel so energized when I'm around you
3: and I'm a projector
4: (laughs) it's like you pull something out of me that I have never experienced with a woman before I feel seen I feel considered I feel thought of I feel I don't know. I don't know what it is. I feel like I'm more of a man when I'm with you. What's so strange to say, but yeah. I feel like I'm feeling myself like more when I'm with you. Yes. Cause you're feeling yourself and it's yes. so good. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You see it on my face. I'm so fucking happy right now. <laughs>
4: oh, I love how happy you are. It makes me really happy to see that.
3: Mm. I could go on and on about like, the things that I appreciate about you physically. Well, you know, the first thing that I mentioned was your eyes and I could study those for hours. (laughs) And your aesthetic, just the way that you carry yourself, the way that you, the way that your body moves, the way that you dress your body, the way that you present yourself to the world is so like, it's so casual, but put together in the best way possible. I just, I just, I freaking love it because like, you're just, I don't know. I feel like you don't feel like you have to put on a face for anybody, but the face that you have is already your best face. Wow. <laughs> and like the beard. Wow. The persona is like already your best persona. <laughs> the shape of your face and oh, your lips and your build like the shape of you oh, I can't believe I'm saying all this on a podcast <laughs> uh, you, you are such a man and yeah I definitely feel you pulling out so much more of my femininity and I've really been connecting into that a lot naturally but I really fucking love this
4: I've never felt more myself than when I'm with you and what's beautiful is there's like this beautiful extended release on that because I then feel it for days on end that I'm so being myself (sighs) like it feels so natural I feel so natural when I'm with you, (gasps) it's so organic
3: I know, now I understand um, that song Uh, you make me feel like a natural woman oh, that's it, that's it (laughs) that's
4: it that's it wow (laughs) wow (laughs)
3: that's the exact feeling like that song is just ringing out in my head right now (laughs) i love it wow and i love that i can make you feel that way you're pure magic and you make me feel like i am too
2: after 10 years and a thousand interviews the mystery of love is something i've yet to solve in my own life to be honest, it scares me to death to tell somebody how I really feel, because I'm so afraid I'll scare them away. But maybe solving the mystery of love all comes down to this.
1: I started living the life that I was teaching my patients about building a life worth living regardless of your circumstances. And from that place I went on a date with my husband who I had met years prior and nothing really happened. We met quickly at a party and I spoke for a few minutes and then we, we met years later. And I didn't start out as lust. I mean, I thought he was kind of attractive, but I, I, I thought he was attractive, but I was just centered and balanced and sort of focused on my life is great. If I meet someone, that's great. If I don't, that's great. So I wasn't idealizing him or assuming that he was my key to the happiness door. And from that place, it sort of became, my love for him grew moment to moment. And he surprised me pleasantly moment to moment. I think love takes work and it's really sort of like you and the person, like getting to know each other.
2: And as for that girl from Montana, who makes the world around her disappear when she walks into a room, well, that's a story for another episode. Sound design for this episode was done by Josh Ballard. Featured former guests from the Unmistakable Creative podcast include Megan Poe, Susan Piver, Bob Goff, and Jenny Tates. And special thanks to my roommate, Matthew T. Cook, and his girlfriend, Laura Foster, for agreeing to be our guinea pigs.
0: Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch.